Yeah, so <clears throat> I have to have a big confession here already. I was going to come and speak a lot about the prophetic. And, <laughs> and <laughs> I thought, you know, I could regurgitate some of my notes and stuff on the prophetic. I've just done a course at Mosaic, which is a church I go to about it. And I started listening to some of the podcasts on your website uh, about the series you've been doing. And then God sort of took me down a different kind of route. And um, um, so he gave me this title of Big Heart, Big Gifts, Small Church. So, um, and this was you, you guys. What do you do when you're in a small church, um, but you're in a town of 220,000? And uh, to coin the phrase that, you know, we, that Jonah uses in, uh, that's used in Jonah, they don't know their left hand from their right. Um, and what do you do? And um, God was just saying to me, there are, you need a big heart and big gifts. And that's what he wanted to do amongst you as a church. And being a small church, it's also like having a Swiss Army penknife because you can't just have one gift. You need lots of gifts. And I'm sure there's been times, John, when you've stood up here and you're uh, playing the worship, preaching, uh, and there's other people, you know, they're doing the kids' work, the hospitality. You're multitasking in a small church. Um, so, firstly, just to get on the um, sort of same page, I just thought we'd think about what kind of gifts are we talking about? So, I know you've been talking about the toolbox, but when you look in the Bible, they're not just like small gifts. <laughs> they're quite big gifts. So, um, and the first thing I notice as well is, uh, it talks about gifts of the spirit, and we shouldn't confuse that with spiritual gifts. Because uh, spiritual gifts, if we call them spiritual gifts, we just think about like uh, prophecy or tongues or things like that. But actually, uh, the Bible talks about helps, and he talks about hospitality, and he talks about administration as gifts of the spirit. So let's think, of, think, of, let's think about this more widely. Um, and God doesn't really rank them in preference either. He ranks them in availability. That's what he's interested in. Are you available? Um, and there are, a thing, there are certain things that he does say, like, um, really, I, would, I want to see people prophesy, Paul says, because it builds people up more, rather than just giving a tongue without an interpretation. And you've probably heard that. And the other thing I like to think of is that in the church generally, we want to see them expressed widely. So... Um, so that everybody who, who can is expressing gifts of the Spirit. Uh, but we also want to see them expressed deeply as well. And different gifts, we might be in the wide camp, and different gifts, we might be in the deep camp. Um, so a really great one is, example, is hospitality. 
So we can all invite people to our houses or to the place where we live. And it doesn't matter if you're giving people toast or a four course banquet, uh, you're expressing hospitality. Uh, but not everybody has got the grace to invite people into their family, like uh, for adoption or fostering. Not everybody has that grace and that gifting to do that. So we can see that some people have a deep expression of the gift and other people have a wide expression and we need to embrace both of them. So um, how do we become big hearted and big gifted? And uh, it's, a, it's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I'm hoping I can share something that um, will be helpful to you uh, as a church. And I've actually picked a little bit out of my own walk. Uh, I'm not going to tell you my entire life story, you'll be glad to know, because as John has mentioned, it, it's extending now 50 years. <laughs> and that would be both dull and very time consuming. Um, but I've grown up in churches like this, in charismatic churches. I've been right from the get-go. Um, I've been in this type of church and I was filled with the Holy Spirit uh, when I was seven and I, I was able, you know, able to prophesy in churches when I was 12 uh, and I've been doing all sorts of stuff throughout my life in church. Um, but there was a point uh, around about when I was 40, uh, just as I, just before I came to join Mosaic actually, where um, I'd got to a place in my Christian life and my life generally feeling really misunderstood, lacking, unloved, rudderless as a Christian. And um, I just was losing my way. And um, so at that time, um, our church mosaic was called Gateway, and, um, which is a familiar name, I know. But, uh, and there was about 30, 40 people, so not dissimilar to you guys here. And we met in a drama theatre, not dissimilar to you guys here, <laughs> uh, at a local college, not dissimilar to you guys here. <laughs> so, um, and Anna and I, um, so my wife and myself uh, pitched up here and sadly that Anna can't be here today because her mum's been taken sick, so she's driven home. But um, we just arrived at Gateway, uh, really sort of beaten up uh, by life. So um, Anna had been sick the year before and had nearly died actually. It was quite serious at one point. And um, Gracie was tiny. She was a little baby. That's my daughter at the back. And, so, and we had two other kids as well. Um, my older two kids are both adopted. And so um, quite full on. My son particularly had a bit of baggage that he brought to the table quite frequently. And so um, we were pretty beaten up with, by life. And we've been pretty beaten up by church life as well. So um, for various reasons, uh, the church hadn't come around us to help us. 
So we were pretty broken. And to be honest, we just hadn't been to church probably for about nine months. And, we, and uh, it got to the new year. And Anna said, come on, we're going to go. Let's go to the nearest church, which happened to be Mosaic. And so we went through the, went, went through the door. And I was going there just for the kids. <laughs> That's all I was going for, because I really had no interest. And um, so first week we sort of came. Second week, we thought we'll give it another go. Um, because people were quite friendly and welcoming. And um, Martin Flood, who's the leader there, came up to me and goes, um, Ian, why do you keep coming just for your wife and kids? So there was no, that was his opening gambit to me. <laughs> he had not really spoken to me. Uh, and it was a kind of word of knowledge. And I was a little bit taken aback. And then we started worshipping. And I have to say, I pretended I had hay fever. I was saying, are you all right? And I was like, oh, I think my hay fever's really bad. Because, like, tears were rolling down my cheeks. And uh, then Ed, who's one of our elders, um, who just loves the gospel, he pre just preached the gospel. And um, I, I just, afterwards there was an appeal and I just found myself going forward because I didn't, I couldn't help myself. And um, somebody else came and prayed for me and it was just like my whole world fell in, in, in a good way. Um, the blackness that had accumulated in my life just cracked and it was like the sunlight poured in. And suddenly I knew it just transformed my relationship with Jesus because suddenly I knew that uh, Jesus just didn't die for me just to give me a good clean-up. Uh, he died for me so that I could be in a relationship with God. And that was a game-changer for me because I felt so judged by God and so inadequate. Um, because I'm, although I'm a kind of relatively good guy, I'm a relatively good guy, you know? There were some things that were not so great in my life. And think some quite bad mistakes I've made. And it changed the whole relationship with him and it changed uh, the gifting. Because although I, I was kind of prophesying and sharing from there, it just changed everything. And so at this point, you're probably thinking, okay, where, where's the relevance to the word? <laughs> so, um, um, so we're going to talk about how does he create a big heart out of that? And I firmly believe that um, to get a big heart and the type of heart that we need to serve Swindon, um, first of all, we need to understand the gospel. And we need to live in the gospel. So we need to understand um, that the gospel um, and the story of Jesus is powerful. Yeah. It can save 3,000 people in a day. Yeah. It can uh, change the courses of people's lives instantly. Um, and it can... 
it, it can do, undo the works of the enemy. And his, God's desire um, for relationship with us was so powerful that he went through being constrained into a human, dying on a painful death on the cross, and then being gloriously risen. It's like, that is just massive. And that's the message that we carry uh, for Swindon, for, for Basingstoke, uh, uh, and for the world. And we need to live in that. That is something that enlarges our heart. So the second thing is, um, if we want to have a big heart, um, we need to embrace the pressing and constraints of life. See, life is really rubbish. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, it is, sometimes life just feels the most cruelest of things. Um, and, you know, the difficulty that we have then hasn't just stopped. Hasn't just stopped. And I could tell you a whole account of the last five years, uh, and, and probably Grace could, some of the, the terrible things that have happened in, in, to, to me personally and to my family. I, I lost my job. I nearly died. We had family issues. And, and it's like, I've learned that I need to embrace the difficulty of life. And I need to look for the fruit and not the giants in all of it. So Numbers 13 is an account of when they sent out the spies into the promised land. And uh, Caleb and Joshua went, and there were a few others who it doesn't mention. And Caleb and Joshua came back with some big grapes on a pole that were massive. And the rest of them came up with fearful tales about giants. And that's how we can respond to life. Yeah. We can re when the pressing and the crushing of life comes, we can see the giants in it, mm. or we can see the fruit that God is going to bring out of it. There are so many promises in the scriptures that talk of God's promise. So I've learned to live out of those. So do I really believe that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living? And there are some days when I have to bring that in because I need to see the goodness of God. Do I really believe that God has a plan for my good not to harm me in all of these terrible things that have gone on? Yes, I've learned to do that. And I've seen in a day, everything can change. Just in a day. And the final thing, um, um, in terms of practical thing we can do in terms of heart surgery that we might need, is just pray. So I am um, a great advocate for praying for things that we don't have. So if I don't understand the prophetic, I pray and ask God questions until I understand it. If I don't understand why a situation is praying out, I will pray 
until I get some understanding. Because God is not a tricky God. He's not this God that kind of trips us up and confuses us and wants to play games. He's not like that at all. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God. So I pray earnestly, God, give me the love. Give me the love for people. Give me the love that I need for people. So I would say those are the three things um, that you need to take on board as you, as you approach Swindon and it's 220,000 people who don't know their left and their right. That's the heart, type of heart that God is, you know, has put in you and is creating in you. So maybe we can turn now to having big gifts. And um, so big gifts in a small church, it's so hard. Um, so I, when I was looking to get some mentoring in the prophetic in Gateway, I found it really hard because there was nobody that... Who, they kind of moved in the prophetic. There's nobody that kind of really moved in the prophetic, if you know what I mean. And I thought, well, maybe I can look at some books. And I can tell you there's some right bonkers Christian books, <laughs> Christian books about prof- prophetic. And if you want to see that, just go and Google prof- Christian prophecy in Amazon and you'll get all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, so it's really hard when you're in a small church to to really understand how can I have a big gift and what does that look like and what can um, and how can I get there um, in that small church environment so there are some steps that I think are really helpful uh, and I've found myself that might be help to you so first of all maybe understand what the gifts look like in scripture Um, because um, scripture has a beautiful way of showing all the really rubbish people doing all the really amazing things (laughs) Um, you know the scripture is just full of people just like us that are a bit something and nothing just average that God picks up and uses and does amazing things. Um, and we find it in all sorts of unsuspecting places. So let's take a, I'll take a good example of this. Administration. Okay, administration is close to my heart because my wife is the kind of admin ops of, of um, Mosaic and she teaches it in commission the commission group of churches as well. And when I think of administration, what do you think of somebody in an office going, and the computer says no, (laughs) you know, and uh, maybe being slightly passive aggressive (laughs) in their responses to requests. No, that's not Christian administration. So if you want to look for an example of a Christian administrator, you'll find it in Acts 6 and Acts 7, and you'll find it in the person of Stephen. So Stephen uh, was appointed to administrate uh, 
food and other stuff. That's what his job was done, because he was gifted in that. That's, that's what his gift. But in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit that it provoked such a response in people opposing the gospel that it got him killed. That is administration, biblical style. But Stephen's no different to us. He wasn't like, you know, a super biblical person. He's just one of us. So, and you can pick any number one of the gifts, you know, prophecy, Peter or Philip, word of knowledge, Jesus. Okay, right, Jesus is quite a big (laughs) example. But (laughs) Paul, (laughs) you know, understanding of spirits. Paul, you know, Paul. There's loads you can go through and understand all these different things. The whole Old Testament prophets coming up with all sorts of different things. They were from all different kinds of walks of life. You know, so there's there's no sort of qualification for the gifts. Um, So, and I always look at this scripture. If you think all of that's well, bef- well beyond you. Um, then just reflect on John 14, verse 12, where Jesus says, um, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I, I have been doing and will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. You know, we're commissioned to do greater things. So... Um, that's that's the, the, the description of gifts in, in scripture so the next thing I would encourage you to do is let God be your teacher um, so when I was in this place there was nobody in Mosaic who could help me and I wasn't like a commission groupie so I didn't know anybody in commission uh, because I hadn't come from commission. I'd come from a different stream of churches. And I, I felt alone. I felt I didn't... And I wanted somebody to help me grow my gifts so that I could serve, but I didn't know where to look. And one evening I was just praying about it and... Um, I just felt God say, let me be your teacher. So, uh, and I thought, actually, that, in the Bible, they call Jesus teacher. And he must have been a really excellent teacher. And, uh, and so I just said, okay. And um, I think I've learned that everything that God has said to me about the prophetic, since I've learned when I have connected with other people was something that they knew that God had already talked to them about. And when I did find a book that actually was not totally bonkers, (laughs) it contained the same things in it that God had talked to me. And I learned a lesson there that you can absolutely 100% rely on uh, Jesus to be your teacher. Amen. So if you want to move out 
in hospitality or administration or prophecy or tongues or it might be any one of the gifts uh, and you want to serve the church because you've got a heart for it but you don't feel very um, you don't feel like you really know much about the gift let Jesus be your teacher pray that prayer so um, the third thing and I'm just watching my time is be obedient in every opportunity um, even if it doesn't go to plan and I haven't got time but I've got some cracking stories of when I've walked out in obedience and uh, it didn't go to plan and it was a bit of a car crash and I've learned from it but I'm still going to be obedient and then I think the final thing is around fill yourself with faith. So you can find faith building in scripture, Hebrews 11. <laughs> uh, you can find faith in your own faith journey. So most, most of us who've been Christian for a while will have known the faithfulness of God. You know, just practically write that down. Write down the faithfulness of God in your life. And then when you need to dig deep, you can go back and say, yes, he was so faithful then and then. And now I know he's going to be faithful again. And then look to the journey of others. So um, there's a guy in our church who him and his wife were told they couldn't have children. And they looked at all sorts of different ways of having children couldn't have children and um, the guy the husband just couldn't let it go he just couldn't let it go I really believe God is going to give us kids and we were like you know a little bit he's come on uh, and they have two kids now and I every time I have a faith mountain to climb. I think about the times that I've gone through, needed, seen God do, do stuff, and the scripture, but I think about this guy yeah. because it inspires me uh, to go up the mountain. So um, you might be in a variety of places this, this, this morning. Um, so for some of you, you might need to enlarge your heart uh, for God, maybe for other people here, um, for Swindon. It's better to be broken rather than comfortable uh, because sometimes actually uh, is a bit broken and I feel a bit broken still. Uh, but I'd rather be broken than comfortable uh, because I'm so desperate to see God come. Yeah. And you may want to start a journey in the gifts and not know where to start and you need a teacher. Uh, or today you might need uh, the anointing and the grace to be a Swiss Army penknife and not um, because you've got so much that you need to do in the church. Um, so I couldn't have finished what I wanted to say 
but I thought I'd really pray, maybe just pray for us all, uh, that uh, God would just minister into those three things. And you may want to pray for one another afterwards or something. I'll hand over to John because that's my prerogative (laughs) Uh, and let him take it from there. But Father, I just want to pray for this lovely, lovely church that you are birthing in in Swindon to uh, save this town that doesn't know its left hand from its right hand, uh, who doesn't even understand or know you. And you're birthing this new church to serve that town. And I just thank you so much for that. Father, would you just enlarge their hearts so they have big, big hearts for this town, for you, for one another. Father, I pray that those who want the gifts this morning and they're just on the journey, they don't feel they even have the gifts or they just want to experience that for the first time. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would come and touch those people this morning and that you would take them on the journey and be their teacher. And um, Father, I just pray for those that carry a lot and need to be the Swiss Army penknives. Father, I just pray uh, um, blessing, Father, and in, uh, a new release of your Holy Spirit's power into those gifts, Father. And I just pray that you will that you will grow this gift, both in gifts and in people, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.